Thank you, Jesus. The <laughs> Bible says that we have to be washed in His Word. That the Word of God, that Christ wants to wash us in His Word. I, um, I remember being in Mexico when I went there and we were building houses in Mexico and it was hot. Who was here on Christmas Day? Man, was that the hottest day I think Wellington's ever had. No wind as well. I mean, God must have really turned up that day. <laughs> but uh, we had 15 people in our house, and man, it was hot with the oven going. We had a phenomenal day. There was so much food. Um, I'm now the proud owner of about eight Christmas puddings. So if you'd like a Christmas pudding, come and see me because I'll give you one away because, you know, I'm trying to lose weight, not put it on, although I do love Christmas puddings, and my discipline isn't that good. So um, please help me with that. But um, Mexico, that's what I was talking about. And uh, it was hot, and we were working all day building houses. And you know, sometimes you don't really realize it. And I didn't realize it until I had a shower. And I got home, and I jumped in the shower, and was washing myself, got out, and then you know, got dressed, went back into the bathroom to find this absolute ring around the bath of dirt that had just been on my legs, on my arms, just dust, sticky because you're sweating, and it was caked in dirt. And the Bible says that we are to be washed in His Word because the reality is that dirt can be our attitudes. That dirt can be our heart postures. That dirt can be a whole lot of things. God wants to wash us. And this is what it says here in Ephesians, and I'll just read it to us, that He wants to wash us in His Word to purify us, to transform us, to bring us into this thing called maturity. Let me read Uh, this to you. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he, Christ, might sanctify her because we are all the church having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present, present to himself the church in all her glory. And as we know that Paul's actually talking about Christ and his bride. So although we can take that and we can apply that to a man and a wife in a marriage, the bigger picture he's talking about that he wants to wash her, meaning men, me and women, her in his word. And I think that's just a beautiful picture. And as he washes us in the word, the stuff that's on us, wrong attitudes, wrong thinking, wrong mindsets, all those things, the way we speak, washes off and stays in the bathtub. And goes down the drain of the bathtub. And what you see is a person and a people who shine, who are purified, who are being purified. And so I want to talk to us this morning about transformation comes through his word. And I believe 2013, the word God's given me is a greater commitment to him and his purposes. So I want to encourage you, if you're feeling a bit tired, <laughs> it's, oh man, I've just made it to 2013. That's cool, have a bit of a rest, have a break. But what I really believe God is saying to his church is he's looking for a greater commitment to himself. That's not really so much about doing more, but it is about being something. And out of the being, you will do some things, but only the things that he leads you to do. And so um, that's going to be for us as a community. So if you're, I don't know, if you're from out of town here, it's good having Paul and Tania with us from Every Nation Christchurch and their two gorgeous children. So uh, Paul and Tania do fantastic work. They're just, don't embarrass them, but the guys at the back um, do fantastic work down in Christchurch with Bernard and Colleen. And we had um, Colleen and Bradley with us just the other week. And so they're just an extension of, of their family. So thanks for being with us, guys, and you're visiting their, uh, Tania's parents. But um, we need to be washed, otherwise we can smell, can't we? We didn't have a shower. We all came here. None of us had a shower for a week. I reckon the gaps would be a bit wider. <laughs> Maybe some of us would be hanging up under the air conditioning. And, and if we don't wash ourselves regularly in God's Word, the reality is we can end up smelling. We form these things, these little attachments get onto us, these attitudes or mindsets. We have an enemy, the Bible says, that comes and he's going to actually push those things to those little things, he wants to develop those things into big things. He wants to take those seeds that that get planted because of 
unforgiveness or people wrong us or just our own mindsets. And he wants to try and expand those and make those things pillars that control you. So the word of God doesn't define you, align you. The enemy does. And these wrong mindsets that can be in us. So transformation comes through his word. And yeah, there is this tension at the moment, and I'm the guy of tensions. The staff will tell you that I just constantly talk about tensions. And now the presence of God is awesome. Who likes the presence of God? And we are to seek the presence of God, and that is right. But at the same time, we're to seek His Word like we seek the presence of God. Because there can be an overemphasis on certain elements of truth which can bring you into lopsidedness. And so you can come, we can seek the presence of God, and that's awesome, and we can seek Him, but do we seek His Word like we seek Him? Now, at the same time, those things are two things interrelated and they're separate. But do we allow the Word of God, because that's what the Bible says, it'll be the Word of God that changes you. Now, the Word is Christ, but He's also given His food source for transformation, because, you know, it's quite easy just to come and just be asked to be prayed for and ask God to zap you of something. And that's good. And God does those things. While at the same time, God says, no, no, I want you to overcome that thing and I want you to take my living word and I want you to feed on that, meditate on that, marinate in that and overcome by fighting because the Bible says that the word is actually a sword. Woo! No, don't try this at home. (laughs) Maybe I'll stand up here. In case it comes out of my hand. Look at that. Bible says that the Word of God is actually a double-edged sword. Not a single edge, but a double-edged sword. And it is sharper than any other sword. And as we know, swords have been redefined through the centuries, haven't they? Different types of swords. Smaller swords, longer swords. You've got King Arthur, his big Excalibur type of sword. Then you've got a samurai sword, which is incredibly sharp. I remember seeing, I think it was the Karate Kid and Mr. Mugabe, or whatever his name is, he throws a handkerchief up and you know the handkerchief comes down and just cuts the hanky in two. But the Bible is a double-edged sword, sharper than any other sword that man can ever create. And it's used for penetrating and cutting and dividing and growing. Powerful instrument, powerful food source that God has given us. And he gives us that for transformation. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. So it's Christ. Christ comes down and the Word became flesh. And so we now have this living word being appropriated on the earth through his son, and this is living. And so we are to know Christ, the presence, we are changed his presence, and his living written word. Jesus said, it is written. When he fought with the enemy, he said, it is written. He could say it is written because he knew what was in it, as he was it at the same time. And so we're going to talk today out of Joshua 1, verses 8. So come with me to Joshua 1, verses 8. And I want to encourage everybody as 2013 rolls in, but not even today and as we go forward. You know, so many times I think, and it's cool, you know, God, God will heal us through different things and We come and we pray for things, and that's good. I believe God is going to ask you to overcome things that you're going to face this year, not so much through prayer, but through His Word. So keep praying for those things, but it will be the Word. As you take the Word of God, your sword, you take it in your hands, and you start to meditate and marinate, so it becomes a weapon, you're going to fight more this year to overcome certain things. And we're going to look a little bit at that as we go forward. So Joshua 1, verse 8 says this, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night and be careful to do all that's written in it. For then you will be successful and prosperous. 
Do not let this book of the law, that word law, all that word means is instruction. So you could put it like this, do not let the book of instruction depart from your mouth. I don't know about you, because sometimes that word law can have a negative connotation because we say, oh, but I'm not under the law anymore. And so sometimes, I don't know, in my own head, I can think, oh, do not let this law, what's that about? No, do, let, do not let this book of instruction depart from your mouth, but meditate on it. What does that mean? To meditate on it and be careful to do all that's written in it. God screams this through his word, doesn't he? This is one complete book. I love that saying, though, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And as we know, and the, uh, the church didn't have the New Testament. They were speaking. Christ came and he spoke everything from the Old Testament because the New Testament hadn't been written. So when you read scriptures like 2 Timothy, it says, for the word of God is, you know, is, is, is there to align and correct. He's talking about the Old Testament. not talking about the New although the new does that, they're referring to the Old Testament and the Old Testament prophets. So this, God's saying to Joshua, he's saying this book, this, this food source, this instruction, don't let it depart from your mouth, but I want you to meditate on it day and night. Why? He's just about to go into the land, isn't he, of promise. I find it fascinating, but He's about to go in there. God's already given it to him. He's already given this land to the Israelites, but they've got to possess the land. So he says, be strong and courageous four times. And he says, don't let this book of instruction depart. You know why? Because you're going to have to, as you go in there, you're going to face some things. There's going to be some obstacles along the way. You're going to need to know my book of instruction. Church, there's going to be some obstacles that you're going to face in your life. And it's not so much going to be a physical battle, but it's going to be a spiritual one because your battle's not with flesh and blood, it's with powers of darkness and principalities. And so although you're born again and speak in tongues and filled with the Holy Spirit, that's awesome, all good. You're going to need to know my living word if you're going to fight and overcome, although I've given you the land, you're going to face some obstacles. And if you don't know my word, guess what's going to happen? You'll remain saved, but you won't come into the fullness of what you're supposed to come into because you haven't learned how to fight in the spirit. You may be able to knock someone out with a good right hand. You may be able to use your mouth to be able to deal with a person, but what about the spirit was what we're about? Can you enter into, and not only as an inheritance, but can you possess that inheritance? It's one thing to get an inheritance. It's another thing to possess the inheritance and then apply it, isn't it? And we've talked a little bit about that. And I want to bring, is Jeremy, do you hear Jeremy? He's supposed to be here. Can someone go knock on the door and get Jeremy for me? Because um, I'll ask Jeremy to just share a story, um, him and Melissa's story, really about um, when they got pregnant. Because uh, they struggled for a number of years to get pregnant. And so while he comes, we'll just wait for him because um, it's better to hear from him than me since he's a living proof or they are as a couple, a living reality of, of what we're talking about. This book shall not depart from your mouth. You see, in Matthew 4.4, 4, Jesus says it like this. He says that man cannot live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We can't live on bread alone. We can't live just on physical resource, although it's good, but it's not enough. We have to live on every word that proceeds out of where? The mouth of God. Well, the mouth of God is right here. God has spoken very clearly and so I just saw him, so let's come up, mate, and let's welcome Jeremy as he comes. If you don't know this great man. Oops. 
Just the one with the yellow handle, Josh. Sunshine. Okay, um, Melissa and I journeyed together, and um, we were young and in love, and uh, I was so excited about being a father and being a dad, and um, we moved to America, and Melissa was a dietitian and I was a painter and decorator, and what ended up happening was, is we watched all our friends raise their children to the age of five, and we weren't having any luck in being parents ourselves. And so we just journeyed through this together. It was really tough. It was just really hard not to have our own children. And um, so Melissa and I uh, had everything possibly done and had gone to doctors and asked, you know, what's wrong? And they couldn't tell us what was wrong. It just wasn't happening. And um, so then Melissa and I just started really praying about it and then just seeking God and then just still being happy with everything that we've got. And then Melissa really met a lady who spoke into her life and talked to her about the power of God's word and how it has life attached to it. So she started, um, she did a three-year journey of walking up and down um, a three-story building hospital. She didn't take the elevator. So she would walk up and down every time she would go to the different floors. Now, she's a dietitian. She could be walking up and down the floor heaps in a day. So she would quote the scriptures about life over her womb, and she would just speak life into her womb. And then um, that was three years for her just journeying through that process and still nothing taking place. Well, then I really started um, wrestling with it myself too. I'm like, Lord, I want to be a dad myself. And um, I was, he says, you are a dad. And he showed me how I was working with all these kids in children's ministry. And so God just started taking us on this journey about Father's heart and not just what we want. And, um, and so as she started speaking the scripture um, and we'd gone to a doctor, Melissa became with child and then um, we lost that child. And uh, it was really tough. It's probably a, you know, just a real... I didn't realize how many people get to experience that. Well, then we had to wait another, we were waiting another six months and nothing happened and then a year went by. Well, then we went to the doctors and Melissa wasn't, um, didn't know what was happening and the doctor just said, look, um, she said something real, like you, you got to deal with this now and, and go further. And then Melissa said, I've been feeling funny. Well, they she said, let me ultrasound you because her hormone levels had shot up again. Well, she found a child, and that was Hannah. And, but not only did she find a child, she found Hannah and a cyst, and the cyst was, was the size of a baseball. So then I was just like, what are you doing, Lord? Well, the scripture I had learned was, as you do not know what is the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her whom is with child, so you do not know the works of the Lord who makes everything. Now, I was still grieving inside from losing baby. And I just like, you know what, Lord, you've got this under control. So the doctor said, we're going to have to just keep a close watch. If the cyst bursts, it would kill Hannah to be. And it could also really uh, make Melissa really sick with the cyst um, exploding. Then they said, if Hannah does go long term, what would happen was is that with that process, the, the, um, the child um, and when she would bear the child, there'd be complications with the birth and they didn't know what to do. So we just prayed, you know, got back, got into the word and just said, Lord, you're the author of our days and life. And Melissa had gotten back to her book and started, we just started speaking life. 14 weeks went by and so it was supposed to be mayhem by then, but then the first ultrasound, and I'll never forget this, the cyst turned into the shape of a heart. And then it released um, testosterone, which is a hormone that you need to help children grow. And so it just doesn't stop there. 14, after that 14 weeks, I saw Hannah 14 times through ultrasound getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and the cyst got smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, then at the end, Hannah goes to be born, and Melissa, instead of getting really big, got even smaller. And so all the amniotic 
fluid had disappeared. So we're still praying through this whole process. And then when Hannah's born, she comes out only four pounds, um, three, ounce, um, three ounces, 4.3, um, I think it's pounds. Well, however, they're really small when they're that big. Three weeks early, we're like, uh, they induced her placenta's half the size. The umbilical cord is quarter the size. And if you've seen my daughter Hannah now, you'd never guess, you know, that through those odds, God is faithful. And we just believed in his word. It was, as you do not know the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of her, whom is with child, so you do not know the works of the Lord who makes everything. And that day I was able to say, Father, you are faithful and um, you are just true to your word that, you know, he knows how to give his sons good things, you know. And I still thank the Lord and remember and thank him every day for the promises that are attached to the spoken word. How awesome is that? Listen to what Proverbs 18.20 says, With the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach will be satisfied. He will be satisfied with the product of his lips. We are to live with God's living word on the tip of our tongues all the time, being prepared in and out of season. I love what um, David Peters said here a while ago. He said, you know, when you eat physical food, KFC, roast meals, Christmas puddings, custard, all those yummy things... He said, you get full, and you fill, and sometimes we, we overeat, and then we feel terrible. He said, but when you eat God's Word, when you meditate on God's living Word, you get hungrier. I love that, and that has been my personal experience. The more God I, I, I invest in and meditate on His Word, the hungrier you become to the point where it becomes a physical hunger. Actually, my reality now is that I can become hungry. I feel weak if I don't engage with his word. It's like I start to miss it. It literally has become food. Man cannot live on physical food alone. His living word, which the Bible said is, is like food, it becomes food. It's to become that much of a reality where we were to experience a hunger and a thirst because it's through his word that transformation comes. There is power attached to his living word. Not just a book with pages on it, but a living reality. And that word, the word became flesh, is to become our reality. That the word in us becomes flesh. It becomes living. And so when people encounter you and I, they encounter the Christ in us, a living Christ, they encounter love. They encounter grace. They encounter joy and a peace, a reality that they have not yet found because they do not know the one in which those things are from. But we do. And we are coming into more and more of that reality as his people. So we must develop an appetite for his word. Do not let this book of instruction Depart from your mouth because, you know, I guess on one aspect, what you just heard, that situation drives you into his word, doesn't it? The desperateness of that situation takes you to God. But I believe God is looking for that hunger without that type of desperation, without that type of circumstance. That is what God is trying to develop in his church 24-7. Why? Because of intimacy with him. Because of love with him. Because what you love, you will spend time doing and being with. And so that's awesome. And we allow those things, but let's not stop there until the next time we need him to come to him. Because if I treated Danielle like that or she treated me like that, I don't know how long that marriage would last. When I need you, I'll spend time with you. Well, that could be six months. Could be six weeks. Could be six months. I don't know. Could be a whole year. Well, what sort of relationship is that? Because when we look at it, and we talked about this last week, from God's perspective, not my perspective, but His perspective, 
How does he feel? God has a heart. He has emotions. We're created in his image. He's given us those things to worship him. And so we must develop this appetite for his word. Listen to what Hebrews 4.12 says. I love this scripture. For the word of God is living and active. It's living and active. Paul said this kingdom expression is not just sort of words. It's about words and power. The church is to be full of love and power and together. It says, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. We talked about that before. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Wow. Mm. More and more, this is becoming a mirror for me. More and more, it's becoming my mirror, and it, I'm finding that it's, it, it, I'm being challenged by my own attitudes of my own heart. Things that I didn't even know were there. And then there's a challenge as to what does that look like and how do I reflect that? Do I point the finger? Do I accuse people of stuff? Well, what's going on in your own life, Greg? What's going on in your world? Are you modeling this thing out? Never mind about anybody else. Just look after yourself and we'll all be good. Stop worrying about what everybody else is doing or up to. Just worry about me and you. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? Don't judge anyone else. Take this out of your own eye and allow this thing to be a plumb line. Allow the living word of God. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Allow it to be a plumb line that defines my Christianity. My being a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know the word Christians probably used, I think, two or three times in the Bible. But the word disciple is used 251 times. I want to be a disciple of Christ. Not a Christian. It's easy to give myself a label. But a disciple who follows, who's submitted, who is engaged in this living document. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Wow. Wow. By his spoken word, the heavens were made. Hey, Joshua, don't let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth because you're about to go into a territory. You're about to go into a land that's already yours, but you need to go and possess it. And you're going to need to fight. There's going to be some people in there that are going to be pretty big people, but the fruit is phenomenal. The fruit is incredible. What I have for you, Joshua, and my people is absolutely going to blow your mind, but you need to go in and you need to possess it. And you need to not let this book of the Lord depart from you. It's phenomenal what God's trying to say here to Joshua. And then I've just been doing some reading in Judges at the moment. And let me just read this to you because I find this absolutely fascinating. And this is why we must learn to fight because God allows things to come our way. Listen to this. This is in Judges 2, 21. I also will no longer drive out, this is God, before them uh, any of the nations which Joshua left when he died in order to test Israel by them. See, God doesn't tempt you, but he will allow testing. Whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk in it as their fathers did or not. So, verse 23, so the Lord allowed those nations to remain, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Three, now these are the nations which the Lord left to test Israel by them, that is, all who had not experienced any of the wars of Canaan, only in order that the generations of the sons of Israel might be taught war, uh, might be taught war, those who had not experienced it formerly. So God is trying to grow these people up and he doesn't drive out 
these, the enemy of the Israelites, they should have dealt with them, but God allows it not to be done. So these people that have an experience this overcoming, this taking things and advancing and possessing the inheritance can. Anyone find that fascinating? Judges 3 verse 4. They were for testing Israel to find out if they would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he had commanded their fathers through Moses. Interesting, we talked last week in the last three weeks about the commandments, isn't it? Will you obey the commandments to love the Father with everything, to love one another as the Father loves you? He allows things to happen to shape us. He allows things to define us that we would actually be confronted and as warriors, the Bible calls us an army, saints who are going to judge the world one day. We have armor, the Bible describes about a sword to cut, to fight. See, God is not just looking just to save you from a place called hell. He's looking to grow you and mature you to come into the fullness of of what he wants for his church. So he allows certain things to happen. And this is what we're seeing here. Let's move on. It says, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. What does it mean to meditate on something? It means to stew on it too. We all know that beautiful, lovely picture of the cow that just grabs the grass and chews on it and chews on it and swallows it and brings it up and chews on it and chews on it and swallows it, brings it up. It's a beautiful illustration, but a gross one. (laughs) To meditate. When I was in Cambodia, I was sharing with the guys about this and Buddhism is all about emptying the mind. It's all about coming to a place where you empty the mind. But Christianity is all about filling the mind. It's not about emptying, it's about filling. It's about this transaction that takes place from a, a, a wrong thinking. Be transformed through the renewing of your mind. We're full of all this wrong program stuff. We've been born into the kingdom of darkness. So we don't think like we should think from the kingdom of light. And so we enter into the kingdom of light and a deprogramming thing needs to take place right here. This is why the battle is right here. This is why this must be transformed because our thinking can be right and it can be screwed up. And so this whole thing of meditating, fill your mind with his word. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. What's our soul? Your mind will, your emotions. Let's read that like that. The law, this book of instruction from the Lord is perfect for restoring a wrong mindset, motions that are skew-whiffy and a will that wants its own thing done. Take this, meditate on it. Don't let it depart from your mouth. Allow yourself to be consumed with it and you'll start seeing your thinking change. Ah, I get what that guy's been talking about now. This is what my this is what this person my disciples been going on about for six months. Thought they were losing their mind. God's opened it up to me. I can see it. All my emotions that drive us. We're to be led by faith, not feelings. God gives us feelings to worship Him, but they better not dictate our direction if they're out of alignment to His kingdom. Yet so many of God's people are moved by feelings. But I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I don't, well, I think he felt like going on the cross. But he went because his will was submitted. Why? Because he was the living word. Being submitted to the word that had been written thousands of years before. He is our example, isn't he? I love him. He's, it's, it's hard. It's hard living for Jesus. Yeah? Anyone find it easy? 
Man, it'd be easy not to, wouldn't it? The easy not to be in this position I'm in. The easy thing to do would be to go, ah, let's go back to what I was doing before, man. It was way easier. But that's not the call of the church. That's not the call of God's people. God's people are to be laying it down, allowing the word to be shaping and transforming and maturing into his bride. Maturity's hard, isn't it? trying to mature our children at the moment. I mean, I love them to bits, but man, the last week, there are the little attitudes that have been coming out. Whoo, where, where, let me see that. And that's just in me. I mean, that's the reality, isn't it? What I was saying before, how do I respond now? God, what are you doing through this attitude that's coming at me? What's my attitude back? Am I going to grow up and mature and respond like you would? Or am I going to demand something from my child? Maturity's hard, but it's good. It's right. It's of Him. Because what God wants to put in our hands at a point in time from an inheritance is phenomenal. Trust me, it is phenomenal. But as we've been talking about as a community, he's looking for an appropriation. So do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. Number three, so that you may be careful to do according to all, everyone say all, all. that is written in it. Can't just be hearers of the word. Those people are lopsided people. The people that continue to come for different things and even their needs met. They hear the word, but they never do or apply what the word says. We've been talking, the kingdom is always two parts. It's never one part. It's be a hearer of the word and obey the word of God and allow that word to be formed in you. Be careful to do. He's talking to Joshua. Man, Joshua, what you're about to undertake, make sure you don't go to the left. Make sure you don't go to the right. And as we know, as you just read through, the Israelites were constantly in disobedience back to obedience. In disobedience back to obedience. It got 11 tribes cut off from a covenant relationship and sent into the world never to return. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Why? Because of disobedience. You see, once again, this will that wants to do its own thing, which is in every one of us. But the Word of God is perfect for restoring and aligning and defining that. So we actually walk in alignment. Freedom. How many of you want freedom? The fullness of freedom, though. Not just, yeah, I'm free, but then, you know, next week I'm struggling again. But to actually be on this journey of a lifetime of overcoming so you can look back and go, what? Insecurity? You are dead. Fear? You are dead. Anxiousness and worry? You're long gone. Because I've overcome, I've allowed the Word of God, His Spirit and His living Word to shape me, form me, allowing my mind to be corrected, allowing my feelings to come into an alignment. And I've died to my will. And so now I'm literally walking in this freedom and this peace that people can see. Then they start quizzing and asking, what do you have on your life? He's called Christ. Do you want to get to know Him? Maybe, maybe not. That's not the point though. More and more I'm seeing God's into the process, not so much the end result. We go after the end result. But God's a God of process. Moses, go spend 40 years in the desert. Yes, when Moses did it his way, what happens? Poor Egyptian guy gets killed. Think about it. This is Moses. From the Hebrew of Hebrews, he is from the elect of Israel, brought up in this amazing environment of Egypt. He's a prince. And when he gets to do his little thing, 
He kills somebody. God says, you better go into the wilderness for 40 years to get you out of you and the way you do everything. Because that ain't my kingdom. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you are able to do all that is written in it. Last thing, and then we'll wrap this up. We can have LJ and Dave back and be great. Ruth Ann. Number four is, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. Let's read that out together. Just maybe, For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. And as I said, there's no shortcuts in God. Anyone found that? Man, be good, really, wouldn't it? It'd be like McDonald's. You drive in, what do you want, son? Give me one of those. Around the other side, there you go. Exchange done, away you go. Microwave God. Man, that would be awesome. Fast food God. No. Be good, but no. See, we live in this 21st century where on this little thing here, I could find out how Liverpool went this morning. I could even Skype my brother who's in England right now on the other side of the planet. I could go on an internet and find out all these things in a heartbeat like that. Information overload within seconds I've got this stuff in my fingertips. But I'm finding that the God I worship, the God I love, the God I follow, although at times he may act very quickly and release things, more and more I'm finding he's a God of process. He's a God of transformation. Excuse me, I'm spitting again. <laughs> See, if you sit in the front, you, you'll need grace. <laughs> it's about grace being formed. But he's a God of the journey. He's a God of time. One day is like a thousand. He's not consumed with so much how long things take because he's looking for an appropriation of something in us. And he gives us this incredible food source. I'm so thankful that God gave me this living food which has been inspired by him, handed down to men to write, to put into this form of 66 books all made into one book. 39 in the old and 27 in the new. To help me and to guide me journey through this labyrinth, this minefield called life. That where you can believe for and pray for a child for years and years and years and watch your other friends have children. Ask why and why not and then to get pregnant and then to lose that child and then to get pregnant again and then to see that child have a growth that may take that child's life, even your own wife's, but to still believe and to still declare, what would you do if you didn't have that? Now the presence of God is still there, but God says, come on, I want you to fight. I want you to start to speak forth. I want you to declare things from a relationship with me. Not crazy stuff. So the church is not that type of claim it and grab it stuff. But real, authentic, authentic posture in Christ. And to see this beautiful child. She's gorgeous, Hannah. Absolutely stunning to see her now. Ain't to see her grow took this word, this life-changing, by faith, attached to it, started to clear it. And once again, it's really about what God was doing in Melissa and Jeremy. Hannah is a beautiful byproduct, but the real work was happening right here. Because God's covered that, hasn't he? In a place called eternity. We were all heading we're actually in a default setting here. We're returning to accurate setting when we're there. 
My dad's dead. I'm in a default place. But he wants to do a work in me while I'm here. In us. He wants his glory to shine through the church. He wants his glory and his life and his power to radiate through his bride. Because he has many, many people that he wants to come to know him. And he says, I'm going to use you people. I'm going to use you, the rock, the street, the rise, hope center, life, harborside, church unlimited, hillsong. I'm going to take my church who are consumed with my word and those people will shine and be radiant because they don't let this book of the Lord depart from their mouth. They meditate on it day and night and they're careful to do all that's written in it. Under my wing, I love Psalm 91. I thought about preaching that today. Just under the wing. It says that God's angels protect you. Nothing can touch you. Although thousands fall around you, you stand. Favor. Psalm says that God's favor is like a shield that comes around those that are wholehearted towards Him. It's phenomenal truth. Phenomenal. This Christianity, this following Jesus, it's a phenomenal lifestyle. To see, to experience, to become. Can I encourage you this year, today, if this is at home, if it's on a bookshelf and it's collecting dust, take it off. Give it a wash. Start washing yourself in it. If you read it once a week, can I encourage you to go to, I don't know, another 15 minutes. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you a desire if you don't have one. Maybe that's where you start. Just be honest. Genuine. I never had a hunger for His Word. I just started asking. I believe the Father, because the Father loves when He sees a heart whose will is submitted and a desire of His, those two things collide at some point. Maybe that's where you start and if you're full on, can I encourage you to be full on? Allow that anyone who's thirsty, let them come to me and drink and from their inner being flows life. Let's stand. Let's just sing. Or maybe be in silence. Maybe just pray. Believe God's what's the move now. Just ask Him. Ask Him by faith. Thank you, Father. God, we worship you, Jesus. We thank you that you're the living word, made flesh, walked on this planet. Thank you, Lord, that you want the church to be like you. You said, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate the Christ. That the people of God are apostolic in nature and heart, meaning the church is a sent vehicle, a sent people to earth to demonstrate and to live in this kingdom reality for a portion of time until either one, you call us home or two, you return. And so, Father, I pray for a desire for your living word into our hearts. I pray, God, that that seed would go forth at the declaring of the word, Lord, that your word is perfect restoring the soul. God, I pray right now that the word that has gone forth would grow, that it would grow and that you would water it, Lord, and that we would get with one another and encourage one another to spend the time and to encourage one another in the Word and contend together, bringing life to one another. Thank you that you are at the center. Thank you, Jesus.